Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Socially Distant Tea Time with Laura Otten and Evelyn Page, both licensed clinical social workers and maternal mental health specialists. I'm Caitlin Grace, founder of Be Her Village. Welcome to week nine. Is that right? I'm glad you're keeping track. Yes, that yeah. sounds right. I'll read you so everybody can see. Okay. Week nine. Wow. You look yeah. very pretty, Laura. You guys both look beautiful. <laughs> you guys are getting it together in week nine. <laughs> well, I actually, I just finished recording a video, and so I did my hair, mm -hmm. I did my makeup, I have the lighting <laughs> really nice. You look amazing. An like, example yeah. of like, this is not my, my usual light. Like, I have lamps all around me right now, and, and a nicely placed lamp. You look like a virtual therapist. Like, I want to talk about something that happened yeah. in my childhood right now. Yeah, because that's... <laughs> It was a video to promote my practice, so I'm so there glad you Perfect. You, you, that's you, what you, I look like. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of fun. Like, I, you posted, um, I think it was earlier today, about, like, um, doing Zoom calls, so to give you an excuse like, to brush your hair. Literally, I did that because yeah. I was, like, getting in the shower 10 minutes before this meeting, of course, and I'm like, it's, that's why I do this. Mm -hmm. More specifically, <laughs> because I did have a Zoom call, like, a business. Zoom call this morning where I'm all in my corn bun mess. Um, more specifically, recording Zoom calls because <laughs> this is forever. Oh. It does feel nice to actually do these things. I'm wearing like one of my nicer shirts, and so it, it does feel good to get kind of made up. But now I'm like, ooh, I need to like take some pictures of myself. <laughs> but um, but yeah, because it every day because we say only the same people all the time. It is nice to take a break from that and wear the outfit that you don't normally wear and put on your makeup and do these kind of things that make you feel special and bright. Makeup feels magical these days because I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you're right. You're with your family and, you know, even my Zoom calls have been repetitive in that it's like the same family happy hour every weekend and, and the same people on my team that I'm talking to and you guys probably the same thing, clients. And then I'm like, I put on like a smidge of mascara and I'm like, hey there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you still have it. Oh man. I, have, I do love mascara. So I will, I do wear mascara every day. If I wear nothing else, mascara is the one thing that makes me feel like I am put together. I may not look actually put together, but it makes me feel better. Yeah. So that's all I care about. <laughs> so I had this thought while I was in my pre-recording shower, which my hair is still wet, um, that I thought I wanted to talk about with you guys, because I don't think anybody talks about it, but I think everybody has this experience, but maybe not. So let me ask. Um, do you guys also hear babies screaming or crying while you're in the shower? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is sure. yes. We're both them. nodding right now. The phantom cries. That's what they're the called. Phantom, like I call it like the pipes screaming at me. It's like ever since I became a mother, even if my baby is <clears throat> at home, like I hear this faint, far away cry that I need to respond to. And it's the reason I wanted to bring it up here is because it's one of those things like First of all, that nobody tells you, like when you're pregnant, nobody says, oh, by the way, showers will literally never be the same. Um, whether your kids are, like my kids are four, five, and seven, and they're still, I still hear the scream. Mm -hmm. um, and secondly, like it's, oh wait, I lost my chain of thought. Um, but it's like this, I don't know, it's like our alone time. We can't even have our alone time because we're still hearing the screaming. <laughs> I'm glad you said that second part because, um, and Evelyn chime in too, I hear a lot from moms and I know I faced it myself of, 
okay, my partner has the baby or the baby's sleeping or whatever it is, I'm not responsible for the baby, but I can't relax because sometimes if like right now when they can't escape the house, they can't get away. So they hear the crying. I have that problem now too. Like I'll, I'll be upstairs and I hear the baby crying downstairs and I want to rush down. Mm -hmm. um, or you feel guilty about leaving. You're worried about, you know, what could be happening at home, good and bad. So it's hard to, um, and then you feel guilty for not resting. And it's really hard to turn that brain off of, I can still love my child and still care for them and be off the clock and actually do what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Because if my partner weren't actually, actually relaxing when I have the baby, I'd be mad. I'd be like, come on, no, like this is your downtime. Use it, refresh yourself, and then come back. Right. It's hard for us to do that. I think that is something that I've seen as a doula in our postpartum workshops. It is across the board. And the things that came up when we were running, when I was running the postpartum workshops was, and Evelyn, you might've been in these workshops actually, so you could speak to it as well, is this feeling of like my partner, they can't relax when their partner has the baby because their partner does things differently than they do, or their partner is not. And even if it's not being said out loud, but my partner is not as good as I am at calming the baby. My partner doesn't communicate with the baby or know what the baby needs. So you hear a baby cry. And even though they're with a loved, safe parent, it's hard to shut it down. I know I was like that a lot. And still to this day, it's like a work in progress to let go and to not undermine him by stepping in when he's handling a situation. And that is a constant battle, even with older kids. But certainly when they were young and as a breastfeeding mother, it, it took every... It took almost more strength to not jump in than it took to just, you know, take the baby. And thing, yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say to parents too when I hear hear this from moms is that parents, you parent differently, but different isn't bad. It's just yeah. different. So, you know, what you know, what your partner might do to soothe the baby when the baby cries might look very different, but it could just equally soothe the baby as what you would do. So it, it's just different. Um, you know, the baby cries when they're with, with me, you know, it's going to cry when they're with their dad. And what we might do is just going to look different. It doesn't mean that, you know, I have some magical ability, you know, the baby's not going to cry when I'm there. But I think you're right, um, Caitlin, that the idea of not wanting to undermine your partner, because um, I know that comes up a lot of like, well, you know, she comes in and just like takes over. So dad never does learn and build up that confidence too to parent and know what the baby needs and respond to the baby too. It's that, that vicious cycle because then if you're not as comfortable, then you're not going to jump in as much, but then she, and it's often a male-female dynamic. She often feels like burdened and resentful, but then she's contributing to it and then he's backing off and feels left out. And you can see how that grows um, and can grow into something now. Now it's a relationship conflict. And it may have started off very small. And um, it's actually, it's called maternal gatekeeping. Huh, like, look at that. There's a term for everything. There's a term for everything. But that can comforting to know, like, that if you realize that you're in that dynamic, everyone faces that dynamic at some point. And to be able to step back, and as Evelyn said, it's different. That's actually healthy for the babies and for the children to respond to different 
um, parenting and to be able to be flexible with that and the, the father or the partner is going to bring strengths just as the mother does. And so it's actually healthier for the children to back mm -hmm. off and let someone else do it differently. When I was a first time mom, I, I'm like, I knew none of any, like this makes so much sense to me now, but as a first time mom, I made all of these mistakes on my first baby, there was a few things at play. One was I was breastfeeding mom and I'd love to talk about the additional challenges because breastfeeding is can be a beautiful, magical, wonderful thing. It's great for the baby. It can be great for the mom. Um, obviously formula feeding also can be the right uh, thing for, you know, we're, I'm not supportive of one or the other, but I think that part of an honest conversation about being a breastfeeding parent is that there, it's, I think maybe, and I'm curious what you guys think, it's easier to fall into that maternal gatekeeping thing because only one parent, like you said, well, it's not like, I, or maybe Evelyn said, it's not like I have something that he doesn't. It's like, well, if you have the milk, <laughs> you do have something. So when I was um, a first time mom, my husband was working full time, was the breadwinner and sole provider for our family and in full-time grad school. And I was a breastfeeding parent. I did all the nighttime parenting, mostly out of just guilt of like, you're providing and going to grad school. I wanted to have this baby. So I'm gonna just, <laughs> I'll just let you sleep, you know? Um, but it became this thing where like the baby wouldn't go to him and then I, so the baby was anxious, I was anxious and we like fed into each other to the point where I was literally having a hard time having my husband just hold him. And then the baby, like he's seven now, but he's like my most inflexible child. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. And I don't think I'll ever know like if that was his personality from day one and I was being super responsive and, and like, you know, understanding that, or if there was like a cycle where I was teaching him, I will respond immediately, it'll only be me, and there's never any flexibility in, in this care situation. My second, however, like, I, I was exhausted, I had a, a toddler, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and I would nurse, and I was much more confident in my nursing, you know, so I think for breastfeeding moms, the first, um, the first, time around it's like they're not sure if the baby's still hungry they're still le still learning the cues in my second i'm like he's full it's 4 a.m just hold him until he goes back to sleep. <laughs> like even if he's crying i'm gonna go back to sleep there was a lot more freedom in that so can you guys speak to the whole maternal gate maternal gatekeeping is that what it's called with breastfeeding parents is that more of a challenge for them or are you also seeing that with formula feeding parents or have you not like if you don't know that's you but <laughs> I, mean, I, th I think I see it across the board, honestly. Um, you know, like, yeah, if you're breastfeeding, there's obviously that additional layer. And, and if you're exclusively breastfeeding um, of, yeah, that you need to feed the baby and, you know, that's, that's just what it is. But, but I've seen it too, just even with um, families that exclusively formula feed um, where, you know, mom, um, is the one that can make the formula and make it the right way and you know it's the right temperature and all of that stuff and not giving you know their partner the chance to to learn how to make formula I mean and again I mean I with my my older one who's adopted was formula fed because I wasn't breastfeeding her um, and we I mean and again like both my husband and I had to read the formula label and learn how to make the formula because I had no idea Mm -hmm. So we both try to do that, but, but if you're kind of the one that's falling into all of the, um, all the feeding, you know, all that whole schedule, and then you're not allowing the partner to like trade off 
you know, that, that still kind of reinforces that of like, I can make the formula the right way or the right temperature or hold the bottle in the right way and the right angle. And there's so many other things that can kind of feed into that same. So I had this idea that the breastfeeding caused the dynamic, but I guess what you're saying is the dynamic exists that this like primary caregiver, typically the woman, Mm -hmm. um knows the way so i never even took those considerations of like warming it the right way of how to hold the bottle of like how to figure out when to burp and how to burp and how often yeah Yeah. if you are type a or anxious you're going to find something to be obsessive about and trying to have control over so absolutely like evelyn said like if that's your personality and this is if you're pregnant and listening to this and you're like, Ooh, that that's me. I'm type A. I've always been described as type A. Um, you know, this is something to be working through and working on of how to let go of that control. Um, because you're right. You, that person can step into any, especially sleep too. I see a lot with, well, I need to put him down for a nap because I do it the right way. So he'll nap longer. And of course we always remember the evidence that supports that belief and discard evidence that doesn't. Um, I think breastfeeding can contribute to it as far as like, um, especially the calming of the baby, like when both partners are feeling overwhelmed and it's like, our baby's fussy, just hand off to breastfeed because that's soothing. And so I think that that can tip it over to that side, but Evelyn's absolutely right. You can see it across the board. Sleeping and eating are the two big things with newborns. And so that's where you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Um, play out the most and probably the first. Great. Yeah. I think what you just said is really interesting too, because at least in my approach with parenting and with my doula work and now with Be Her Village, it's really about like meeting people where they are and not being dogmatic about anything, right? So like I breastfed for a bunch of years, but that fully support anyone who chooses not to from day one for their own reasons. It doesn't have to be adoption or medical. It could like, mm-hmm. I just don't want to, you know? Um, But I think part of the thing I bring up with clients, and I would love to hear you guys speak to, is this balance of breastfeeding and the benefits and mental health. Because when you go into like Facebook groups or even certain professionals that it is like breast is best, breast is only, breast is the thing, which great. Like there's science to back all of that up, but, but in a more holistic picture, like breast might be best because of like vitamins or what, I don't know. know. But if breasts, like they can get all the vitamins and all the immune factors in breast milk, but if they have a detached, overwhelmed, totally stressed out mother, there's also that to consider because there's studies that show, I'm sure you guys are much more in tune with those studies than I am, but there's studies that show that Um, moms who are suffering from postpartum mood disorders like anxiety, like depression, actually um, look at their baby's face less. They're detached. They're not present with their babies, which is impactful because babies are looking to us to engage. My my friend has a four-month-old and like we literally, when we're with her, the baby's like, like mom look at me like it's hard to have a conversation and you'd think oh, a little four-month-old is just a baby but she is Mm -hmm. a full human being that wants Mm -hmm. to be present and engaged and so if you have a not stable mentally stable mother because of those demands because those demands can be really overwhelming I guess it just has to be part of that equation I don't think it's talked about enough in the in the discussion of like should I breastfeed or should I not is about the impacts of the baby beyond 
just the type of milk that they're getting. Are you guys, um, is that a conversation that you guys have with your clients or are you? <laughs> Every single client. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, because, um, and we, all, we have in our minds, good mothers breastfeed, bad mothers don't. When, when you ask them like about a friend or a relative, oh, well, not for her, <laughs> but for mm -hmm. me. I am a good mother. I breastfeed. You're judgmental for yourself, but you totally understand why somebody else. Yeah, you want you know these are kind, empathetic people I'm working with. Like they're they're wonderful people, but for themselves they have that judgment. And oh yeah, if you like post up on a Facebook page that you want formula feed, you can be ripped apart. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. So if a mother's mental health is suffering, we know that that negative impacts a baby, and we don't say that to make moms feel guilty or, or judge them for their mental health. It's more of get the support and the resources you need to be feeling better. You're doing it for you, but you're also doing it for your baby because at that point, mom wants baby, to, you know, is coming first. So it's like, well, actually, if you put yourself and your mental health first, you're going to help your baby because breastfeeding is not always best if it's at the detriment of the mom's mental health to the point where she's miserable. You need a happy mother to have a happy baby. And formula is often part of that picture. Um, and Evelyn, I think you would agree with that. For sure. I, I think there's so, I mean, I, and I also think we kind of look at it as like breastfeeding and formula feeding, like they're like mutually exclusive. And there's so many things along that continuum. You can partially breastfeed, partially formula feed, you can, <clears throat> you can directly nurse, you can pump and give the baby a bottle of breast milk. I, I ended up exclusively pumping for almost a year um, because directly nursing just didn't work for me for a variety of reasons that I won't get into. But, um, but I, I did really want to, to breastfeed. You know, I kind of went into it with my little one, um, but I was like, this is not working. And so you know, what, what alternative is there? Like, I was totally fine with formula and obviously my older one is completely formula fed. Um, so I, you know, I, I didn't even know that exclusively pumping was an option until I started like Googling stuff. And I was like, oh, like, I mean, I knew people could pump, but I always kind of thought about it as like, you pump if you're a working mom and you go to work and then you have, um, you know, milk for the baby at home. But I was like, I could just exclusively pump. And it worked out for me. I mean, it's, you know, a different kind of um, challenge, but it kind of worked for our family. And and interesting, left my my husband was really actually worried. He told me, you know, a few months, you know, when the baby was a few months old, that he was worried that he wouldn't get to feed this our second child at home because we we had both talked about breastfeeding and that, and he was totally on board for that. But he was totally able to feed our older one because she was on formula and had bottles, and he was just he was already anticipating missing out on something and when we kind of figured out and I kind of stumbled upon exclusively pumping he was like so excited because he felt like he could be involved in feeding it wouldn't just be me and it was also nice because he 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 is very good about you know doing stuff um, around the house so he kind of took over like cleaning all the pump parts and all the bottles you know and I pump you know so I had help in that way so it worked out for us. So there's this whole range of things. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I love that you pointed that out. There's also, just to add on to that spectrum, um, there's also donor breast milk. Yes. So I, um, when I went back to work with my third, and going back to work for me was my mental health care because I needed 
purpose and adult interactions. And I would look forward to going to work because it was a break from my family. And I felt like it made me, and still to this day, I feel like it makes me a better mother to have something that's only mine and then to come back to them. But I wasn't due to a whole <laughs> array of things that were going on with my baby. I was breastfeeding her constantly. She was very sick and I didn't have enough milk to, I didn't, I couldn't pump enough to go to work, but especially as a doula, I was going away for like 36 hours at a time, you know? And so a family member who was also breastfeeding at the time left a ton of milk at my mother's house. And when my husband had the kids and I was at the hospital, he would just go and grab a bag. And it was all, you know, like that was, it was for us to take. It was for whoever needed it. And it was, it was such a gift. We actually, this is like just to the side, but this is like things you, you never thought you'd do when you were <laughs> before you had kids. Um, my husband, I was at a birth and my husband had all the kids and like this tiny little baby. And we ran into a friend or he ran into a friend of mine who was also nursing at the playground. And she offered to nurse uh, my baby because my baby wasn't taking a bottle. And he said no, and then ended up taking her to the hospital. And I was like, why did you say that? What are you doing? Somebody offered to nurse her, take that offer. You know? But I think he just wasn't sure. Right. You know, I was like more than willing to have somebody nurse my baby but yeah, it's, it's not just I love that you bring that up my examples are maybe a little more extreme than that but it's it's there's really like so many ways to feed a baby and it's not just one perfect way for anybody it's really about finding that balance for your family and I want to add to that it is separate how you feed your baby is separate from if you're a good mother or not and mm -hmm. to break that string that's tying those together and say like, okay, there's a way you feed your baby and there's a list, you know, a dozen things long. And then there's you as a parent and as a person and it's separate from that. Um, and I encourage, you know, the people I work with and um, when I, in my relationship workshop, I talk about this too, of sharing with your partner what feeding your baby means to you so often as women, we have this narrative of breastfeeding and what it means to us, and that's influenced by how our moms fed us and what our, our family history is, what we've seen online, what our friends have done and family members, and we're not sharing that, and we might not even be aware of it ourselves. But I've, I've seen too, like if mom's struggling with breastfeeding, partner rushes in to fix things and say, well, let's just do formula. This is great, like then I can help out and then we'll know how much the baby's getting and it just seems to solve all the problems. But then she's left unheard and invalidated and very upset because breastfeeding actually means so, so much to her. But she, she may not even realize that how much it meant to her until that moment happens. Sorry, I just got a call. Um, but I encourage like to, to talk, I know, let me just bring that person. Um, I encourage couples, couples to really talk about what the feeding means. Like Evelyn, like you said, with your husband, like it meant a lot to him to be able to participate. Mm -hmm. And it was yeah. important that he was able to speak up on that and say like, mm -hmm. actually, and, and that can work with breastfeeding, you know, if you pump and then- And I hadn't even, like, like, I'll admit, I hadn't even thought about that, that yeah. he would be like kind of excluded if I was exclusively nursing. So I, yeah, like it was really good that he brought it up. It's interesting because I think when there's a, a conversation up about at least in like the social media zone which is what I so appreciate about our tea time sessions is that it kind of brings like it or maybe it elevates the conversation from just black and white shouting into the void to hey we're all many layered different people um but 
when we talk about breastfeeding versus formula, it's like all about what's best for baby. And now we're like expanding that to, well, what's best for the mother, which is also best for the baby, but also as Evelyn brought up, what's best for the partner and the whole family, because right. you can't look at anything in just the scope of what's best for baby, because the baby needs happy, well-adjusted parents. And that's, you know, it's not possible to get that yeah. without and really I think, I think, and maybe, I think Laura, you and I've kind of talked about this too, but kind of this idea that what works has to work for everybody. It's not like you just said, Caitlin, it's not just the baby, you know, if it's breastfeeding, it has to work for baby and for mom. You know, if it's, if she hates breastfeeding, why torture yourself, you know, because of this idea of like, that's what a good mom does. Um, so like you said, feeding and being a good mom are not like tied together. They're two different things. I love that. I love that visual. I feel like I want to make a visual of like cutting the string. Now, yeah. now take a note, put that on the slide, <laughs> put that on our Insta. <laughs> so just uh, shifting gears a little bit, how were your mother's days? How were quarantine mother's days? Mother day, mothering, mother's day. How was your mother's day? <laughs> Um, you know, and it's funny because, you know, how I've said, like, I wanted that alone time. I got my alone time. It was wonderful. I just wanted that break and that quiet peace away from the kids. And every other mom I've talked to was like, it was great. Like he or she or whoever took the partners away or took the kids away for a little time. So it was nice having that break. The weather was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice day. That's great. Yeah, you? I mean, I got my break later in the day than we had planned, which was fine. It just kind of, the day just kind of um, worked out that way. So it was just nice. And we, you know, ordered in lunch. Um, we were had, had been thinking of um, doing like a bigger dinner, but lunch worked out. And so like our day was, you know, we just kind of went with it, which was nice. And yeah, it was a nice day out. We played outside for a while. Mm. And it was just a very it was a relaxing day like I didn't have to do any dishes I didn't do any chores I kind of you know if I wanted to sit around on the couch for a little bit I did and my husband was like very attentive and just kind of took over you know whatever he was very good at anticipating things so that and I now you know that he's capable of that so even when it's not mother's day. <laughs> yeah. and he is he is you know I feel like he's kind of a rock in all of this pandemic and, and he always is he's kind of a very just a very steady person in life um so he is you know he's a great partner to have around because he i i don't often have to like ask him to do things he just does them yeah Great. So it's always nice. So I actually, so when we talked last week, I didn't have any plans. I didn't, which is why I didn't even share uh, afterwards, Laura, you were like, you didn't even talk about it. I'm like, I had, I was legitimately asking you guys because I didn't have any plans, but um, it was actually the best Mother's Day I've ever had. Um, I've found, I've, I have found that I get really disappointed and sad on Mother's Day, which is weird maybe, but I think part of what has happened in the past is that I have like these grandiose expectations of either hugely being celebrated, which is, it's just not, that's not what we do. We're not like a huge gift giving celebratory kind of a couple like me and my husband. And then there's also this feeling like it will really, really be easy. Like I'll get a day off, like almost like a pre kids day. And that's not realistic either. So this year, my expectations were zero because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I think I was a little nervous about going into it because on Easter, I had struggled. I was in a really different place emotionally in Easter, but I was like struggling with the fact that this was the celebratory day I would normally 
be with my family and then we weren't and that was really jarring for me so this time around um first of all i didn't need alone time for my kids which is that's always been my go-to but i think i'm like in this i keep saying crazy but like this place where we're enjoying them so much more they're a lot older that helps um so yeah so i my husband let me sleep in so i guess that was my alone time so i got to sleep in and then he in like pure pure like our relationship it felt really good instead of like trying to compare or or do a certain thing he made a slideshow of pictures of me with the kids with my cat who's my favorite like person in my house um and everybody knows that he took he photoshopped a picture of my cat's head and put it on my face in all the pictures of me <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. He knows you so well. It was yeah. so strange and so funny. And then he like explained that it was like some would you rather that we did that I had said, oh, I would definitely rather have like my cat as a head. I don't really remember it, but, and I didn't even need to know the context. It was just so perfect that he spent the morning like putting that together. And then, yeah, it was just like something so easygoing about it that I really just enjoyed. So I think the expectations were finally a little bit more realistic, but also my kids were old enough to say happy Mother's Day on their own, to make me their own things. We went to my mother's house, like socially distanced, like eat and drink. We had separate tables for everything. It was very responsible. But, um, but the kids, I had bought her like a cute little sign that said, uh, all my favorite people call me grandma. And I had taken, you know, you just kind of take care of it as the mom. You just take care of the gifts and take care of the card and the kids upon realizing that we were going to her house all scattered and made their own gifts for her which i thought was so cool that we're like at this age like the older two wrote um wrote cards to her on their own the youngest drew a picture because she insists on writing but literally does not know her letters and we're like please stop doing that um and then the little one so the oldest one like went and picked out a bunch of dandelions and put them in a zip box. like it was like such a perfect seven-year-old gift like a bag mm -hmm. of dead dandelions <laughs> <laughs> and the little one got like a bracelet that has her name on it and gave it to my mom and i'm just like i don't know i was just so filled up with love and appreciation mm -hmm. for these kids and I don't know. It was really, really nice. Look, look how it was. You were flexible and, and optimistic, but not, you weren't rigid and with high expectations. Yeah. And like, that's great to apply to everything, like any sort of holiday or special. I'm trying, Laura. I'm trying. <laughs> we got Mother's Day down. <laughs> I know. Next up is, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah. But um, I love that, just that simple gratitude and appreciating your kids for where they are and enjoying that stage of their life. Like, they're not teenagers who need to go out and earn money to buy you a gift. Like, the bag of dead weeds that they thought are just beautiful flowers yeah. is so lovely. And the drawing of pictures is so nice. So yeah. I think that's a nice way to view all of this, of just like, you know what, this is what I've got, and let me see the beauty in that. Mm -hmm. It's not a bag of dead weeds. It's, it's a beautiful bouquet of yellow flowers that grow abundantly in the springtime. Yes, and the <laughs> effort that he put in, like, I didn't know, because I got also a huge pile. Like, he walked in and was like, look at what I have for you. And I'm like, where do I put this? He goes, I don't know, it's for you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it was like, he just spent 20 minutes getting every dandelion on our property for me. And there's just, I don't know. It's, I guess it's all about perspective. Like it's love and, and happiness is where you look for it. And he found it on the lawn and I found it in a pile of dandelions. So 
Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. Yeah, that is really sweet. But <laughs> I also got sunburned because I was outside all day because it was so beautiful. So an- another lesson is wear suntan lotion. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. So thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. And I hope you have a good week. And we'll talk next Wednesday. See you next week. Bye. See you next time.